the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Sincerity is no proof of qualifications to war. Sincerity is no proof of qualifications to war. This is really about knowing yourself. Not going to drill down too deeply, but don't be dumb. Don't be stupid. You got to be able to know when you lie to yourself or not. They say the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Good intentions and 20 cents will get you a cup of coffee, as they used to say. Welcome to Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan. We're continuing our journey through the book of Judges. Today, chapter 7, verses 1 through 8. Gideon, too many for my glory. God is thinning the ranks, paring things down a bit, separating wheat from chaff, and getting a clear idea as to who's in it for the right reasons and the right motives, good intentions or not. With more, here's Pastor Jessica Stant on today's broadcast of Way of Grace. Right. One of the evidences that you know that you are soundly committed to the grace of God is that you believe that God's grace is able to keep them, restore them, grow them, mature them, and then use them as he does for you. Am I making sense? I can talk about this one for a long time. I can talk about how the enemy completely devastates communities, fellowships, and people around the stinginess of forgiveness. I could talk about it for a long time. That is a tremendous problem. When you're not employing forgiveness appropriately, frequently, in intervals, so you can keep it moving, it means you don't trust God. Now, there are always exceptions to the rules, and there are applications to the idea of forgiveness that we need to be able to walk in. You you do know that. But the point is, if you are a person who is stingy in forgiveness, well, maybe God hasn't forgiven you, right? Isn't that what we learned in our Lord's Prayer? Right? Forgive us as we forgive others. So this is an extremely important uh, strategy that the Apostle Paul sets forth as well. One more thing to understand about the uh, fighting a good warfare, Ephesians 4.14. I just want you to grab this one because this one is about to come into play under point number two. The Apostle Paul actually laying out a sequel of events that are going to come to us as we uh, explain the basic tenets of this discourse in Judges, he says that you and I should be no more what? Children, right? So wouldn't it be logical that if you and I are called to a warfare, that we can't be children? Because you don't enlist children into the war. Now, one of the reasons you don't bring children into a war is because a warfare is largely, but not exclusively, psychological. And when the children who are not mature enough to know how to be grounded in the area of mental battles, because that's the term that Paul was using in Second Corinthians, that we know Satan's mindset. 
Literally in the, in the Greek is noi, noi thata, and it's the idea we know how he works out his thinking. He thinks things out and then does it. We know that process. Well, if you're a child, you don't. See, one of the differences between a, a person who is what we would call psychologically or emotionally a child and an adult is that an adult has stronger parameters, clarity on categories, understanding priority of things. They know what's important, what's not, and they don't necessarily get lost in the minutia of vagaries. That's the difference between being a child and an adult. And unless you and I grow up in the Lord, guess what we will be in many situations in our life? Tossed to and fro. Now that's the reason why the enemy comes like a wind. Isn't that what the metaphor is? by every wind of doctrine. You know what all he's doing when he brings the wind is seeing how many children are in the church. Because once the winds come and God allows them by his permission to test every one of us as, as to whether or not we're taking God seriously and taking root downward and bearing fruit upward and being strong in the Lord and in the power of his might because Christ keeps us grounded in him. And where men and women are not redeeming the time to that end, guess what? When the wind blows, they're tossed to and fro. And so that is exceedingly uh, important in battle. Wouldn't it also be that what we must do in order to be ready for any battle is train. Is train. So those of you who are calling yourself Christians, you're new in the faith, et cetera, et cetera. If you're not training, you're fooling yourself. You're not ready for a real war. Now, you might get to enjoy life in this Disneyland culture that we exist in, which is largely a kind of postmodern mythical dimension that we exist in. You can lie to yourself about how well things are until you get hit in the face with reality. And then once reality comes, tell me, child of God, doesn't it really wake you up to the startling fact that you've been wasting a lot of time? on something that is not corresponding with reality. Right? And it's so important for us to get that. And so what's in front of us now is a really interesting thing. Let me move to point number two so I can begin to dig down into this. I think you have my understanding of point number one. Positioning for warfare, being right, allows you to engage in a good warfare. It allows you to be aware of your enemy's wiles, his mindset, his methods, his strategies. Now we're coming up on what I call a sobering selection process. Point number two in your outline, the people called for war were not ready. The people called for war were not ready. Look at verse two. Notice what it says in verse two. Now we're getting ready to get some insights into our general's assessment of his military makeup. Now our general is God. He looks out on the uh, makeup of his, his soldiers and he says, ah, <laughs> not these, Gideon. So we're getting ready to learn something. All right, here we go. And the Lord said unto Gideon, the people that are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands. Here's the reason why, Gideon, because this group of people will vaunt themselves. They will become proud. That's what that's what 1 Corinthians 13 says, love is not. Love doesn't vaunt itself. He said, now this group of people, if they were to win this battle against these Midianites, Amalekites, and the people of the East, 
They will go around boasting about their methods and techniques and skill sets and start doing what Americans do. We sell everything. We sell water because we know how to clean water up better. And religion does it a lot. Doesn't it sell all kinds of how-to stuff? And what God is saying here is, no, these people can't go because they will be opportunists. Now, this is really interesting. People will join the military for all kinds of reasons. People will join the church for all kinds of reasons. Now, the military generals know that the best way for them to wash those out who have ill intentions is to take them through the rigor of boot camp. Now, God has a a different intentionality, but it's worthy of you and I knowing because you and I do know that the call of the gospel ultimately separates. And we're getting ready to look at an element of that, although the essence of our discourse today is not a call to salvation. It's a call to service. Just in case you want to know the uh, the the more acute objective of the lesson today, this is not about the salvation of the people of God. This is a call to service. As to whether or not men and women are serious about serving King Jesus. Just want you to know that up front, okay? So you don't get lost in soteriology, which is what we're inclined to do. All right, this is not about the people of God coming to faith in Christ. As a larger optic, they're already in the promised land. As a larger optic, we've already come out of Egypt. As a larger optic, we've already done 40 years in the wilderness. The promised land is a type of the spirit of God, the spirit of promise. We are already in the spirit of promise, are we not? It's just a matter of whether or not we are operating according to the dictates of King Jesus in the kingdom. So here we go. The Lord said to Gideon, the people that are with thee are too many for me to give to the Midianite in the Midianites' hands, lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, my own hand hath what? Now, you wouldn't say that, I know. So it's very important for us to understand what's going on here. Look in at verse three. I'm going to come back to that last proposition in a moment and show you how acutely you and I fall into traps of saying that frequently. We fall into traps of saying my own hand has saved me. We fall into traps of saying my own hand can save you. We play the savior motif in many little subtle areas. We don't see it, but we do. Are you hearing me? Now watch this. Now, therefore, go and proclaim in the ears of the people saying, whosoever is fearful and what? Whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead. Now, ladies and gentlemen, what did God just do? He exposed the fact that there were a bunch of people who had heard the trumpet blow and came, but they had no intention of fighting a war. Now, here's what God did in his mercy here, which was a beautiful thing, gives us some insights into some of the axioms of the gospel. I've shared them with you before. We got to work this through. See, when you're a child of faith, you got to manage your fears. You don't get, get to let your fears be God. And you don't get to let the devil let your fears be God. And we got all kind of people today in this post-COVID era who have let their fears be God. We're in a warfare. We're in a warfare. So watch this. Now, therefore, go proclaim in the ears of the people saying, whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead. And they return of the people 22,000. 
two-thirds of the people bailed out once the door was open to leave because they were fearful. See, God knew a good portion of them had no intention of fighting the Lord's battles. You see it? Had no intention of fighting. And here's how merciful God is. He says, I'm not going to let them get killed and I'm not going to let them steal my glory. You get to go back home and hang out with your family. And we're going to talk about the implication of that in a moment. You get to go home and hang out with your family in a precarious situation with them. And I'll work with the rest of you guys. Now, we already know <clears throat> that there were 32,000 that came, right? So how many's left? I know, government school, I know. 10,000. 10,000. All right, some things to learn here in our outline around this uh, under point number two. The people called for the war were not ready. How might we understand this? So point A, sincerity is no proof of qualifications to war. Sincerity is no proof of qualifications to war. This is really about knowing yourself. Not going to drill down too deeply, but don't be dumb. Don't be stupid. You got to be able to know when you lie to yourself or not. You got to be able to know when you're ignorant of your own propensities and bent. You got to be able to know when you are hoodwinking yourself. Like most people will stand before God in judgment because they hoodwink themselves. You won't be able to say the devil made me do it. Because all he ever does is affirm you in your own self-delusions. Am I making some sense? All right, let me see if I can go a little deeper. I just want to know if there's some real people in the house with PJ. Do you deceive yourself from time to time as a kind of pastime fantasy? See, be honest. An honest person will not go to hell. No honest person will go to hell. Only liars go to hell. Sure, we deceive ourselves. Sure, we paint the picture more rosy than it really is. Sure, we sit up and fantasize about all we can do for God. And we discover every day how we fail to even come close to the standards we set up for God. Am I telling the truth? All right. And and one of the things in growing up and becoming mature is that God helps you overcome that BS in you. Because when you buy that BS, then you will want to foist it on other people as if you're really the thing you're saying you are and you are not. Told you it was going to hurt a little bit. That's why he's putting them to the side, because a real war requires people who are done with BS. A real battle requires people who stop lying to themselves. That's what's going on in our text. And people were not ready for war. Sincerity is no proof of qualification. There was a a unique example that took place. This is going to be Acts chapter 15, starting at verse 36, where the apostle Paul and the uh, apostle um, Barnabas are struggling over John Mark, a little young protege. And John Mark had been going to ministry with Paul and Barnabas. And y'all know Paul has been in the warfare since the day that Jesus said, Saul, Saul, it's hard for you to kick against the prick, right? And, and Saul has had, Paul has had enemies everywhere. And so now you get these cohorts who want to run with you because they want some fancy glory or whatever the case may be. But John Mark was weak. John Mark was fearful. There were times when Paul was going into enemy territory to preach Christ and John didn't want to go. Well, a real soldier, a real colonel, a real major, a real general don't have time for people who don't want to go. And, all, and Paul wasn't saying he wasn't saved. That's not the point today. Paul is saying he's not ready for the war. 
And him and my brother Barnabas went at it. And some days after Paul had said unto Barnabas, let us go again, visit our brethren in every city where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they do. Verse 37 and following. Barnabas was determined to take with them John. Now see, he, he loved John Mark, little nephew, and want to train him up in the fear of the Lord. And notice what the text says, whose surname was Mark, verse 38. But Paul thought not good to take him with them because he had departed from them at Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. Do you know why? Because when you go to apostolic work, guess what? People want to kill you. Yeah. This is not setting up conference tents and taking offerings and having good music and catching planes back home. This is real war. Am I making some sense? It's very important to get this. There's an aspect of the gospel that I'm absolutely sure that we are not sensitive to, sensible of, and are not prepared for as well. Again, we are Americans living in a kind of bubble. This does not correspond with reality around the world, nor on the ground for real Christians. So it's hard to preach to men and women who are privileged. It's really hard because we like to stay deceived. And so this created a problem. Look at what it says in verse 39. And the contention was so sharp between them, that is Paul and Barnabas, that they departed asunder one from the other. So Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus, verse 40. And Paul chose Silas. Y'all know Silas, don't you? You know Silas in almost all the epistles, don't you? Silvanus, you know him. You don't know much about Mark at all. Because Mark and Barnabas disappears off the landscape of the sovereign providence and will of God. What does that mean, Pastor? When you're at the crossroads of two ways, one of those roads leads to silence. The other road leads to the will of God being worked out and your name being written in the Lamb's Book of Life and a testimony and pattern of your good works emerging up out of knowing the will of God. Am I making some sense? Yes, this is so clear. We know Paul, don't we? We don't know much about Barnabas except for some of the pseudepigraphers that are out there. I'm talking to my Catholic brother now. Uh, and, and, and we don't know much about Mark other than we know that he actually played a role in, in writing uh, the gospel of Mark. But we don't see his ministry. Why? Because God had raised Paul up to be a good soldier of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul knew that sometimes you got to separate with brethren who are not ready. Now, it doesn't mean that Mark's not saved. Later on, he, he comes into play at the end of Paul's ministry as we're learning about the man of sin, the son of perdition in AD 68, AD 69. Are you guys following me? Right, but here you, you can't come. The battle's too serious. That's what God's doing, isn't he? Then you guys can't come. The battle's too serious for you to come. All right, then let's look again at point number two, sub point B. So we've got sincerity is no proof of qualification. And then it's also funny. You don't hear Mark saying anything in that debate between Paul and Barnabas. He ain't got nothing to say because it was true. Sincerity does not give you a really clear mark of your qualifications. Sub point B, subordinate reluctance is a disaster waiting. Do you see that? subordinate reluctance is a disaster waiting. Okay, we're pressing into some, some character traits. You know what the Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 8? A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Do not let him think that his prayers will be answered if he's going yes and no to God. Are you guys hearing me? 
Right. So obviously what James is saying is you got to have a grown folk joy. You got to know how to count it all joy when you enter into diverse trials. You got to know that trials grow you up and mature you and they make you stable. And if you're not willing to go through trials, you're going to be a ship tossed to and fro on the waves without a rudder. Because that's really the metaphor here. So James lets you and I know you can be a person that appears to be there when the roll call is made, but in your heart, you're going yay and nay. And again, that's a faith that's not grounded and mature. Am I making some sense? Right. And, and every one of us knows some of that. Don't we know some of that? Depending on the pressure and the position that comes at you in a trial, you feel that sense of ambivalence, right? You feel that sense of ambivalence where you really don't, you, Lord, don't give me this trial. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Lord, I don't want that one. No, Lord. No, Lord. And you know you really need to go through it, but you don't want to. Now, God has delivered you every time, but here we go again. I ain't going to even pray for it. Now, that's called being tossed to and fro. And I'm so glad I got a room, room full of people that like to be honest about the truth, because in many communities, you can't talk this frank. Self-righteousness blinds a lot of people. I'm getting ready to deal with that here in our last point that I'm going to develop as a closing discourse. Go with me now to our, su- our third subpoint. Our third subpoint, after dealing with subordinate reluctance, uh, is separated and sent back because of what? Separated. And sent back because of fear. That's exactly what God said, right? He says, everyone that is fearful and afraid, go home. <laughs> Those BART trains were full. Weren't they full? <laughs> Just like in our Middle Eastern uh, uh, countries, when uh, the bus is on the street, they got people hanging on the outside of the bus, on the top of the bus, right? They suitcase. I'm going home. This is a tragic story. This is a tragic story. I know we like to laugh, but we're going to have to cry here a little bit. This is a tragic story. And what it implicates once again is how shallow we are in the cause of God and truth. It's a tragic story when God can just give you an out and you go. And you fail to understand what's before you. Now, I'm going to drill down into this one term that God uses, phobos. That's the term in the Greek, fear. We're going to get at that toward the end of our discourse. But there's some things that we can learn here because they went back because of fear. They came, but they weren't committed. Is that true? They were curious, but they were not committed. God knew that. The call to die was not resolved in them. When you're talking about going to war, you have to resolve, are you willing to die? So listen, just in case you don't know it, the gospel not only produces an expression of love called the divine love of God in Christ for us. Greater love hath no man than this, that he lays down his life for his friend. It is that love that redeemed all of his people from eternity in time for eternity with God. Is that true? For God so loved us that he resolved to fight a war 
for which the only way of victory would be death. This is such a simple, what we call substratum truth of the gospel to easily communicate. Why did God save me? Because he loved me in Christ. How did God save me? Because Christ loved me for the Father's sake. Why am I saved? By the grace of God through faith in Christ because he loved me enough to die for my sins. Not that we loved God, but that God loved us and gave his son as a propitiation for our sins. We are out of time today. We'll close our program out here and pick up where we left off next time we're together here on Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastand. Thank you for spending a few minutes with us today. We trust it was profitable in your walk and relationship with Christ. Our goal here at Way of Grace is to make sure that you are growing in Christ, that you are living a life worthy of the calling that has been placed on your life from the gospel. If you have questions, comments, prayer requests, as always, you're welcome to reach out to us here at Way of Grace. Our phone number is real easy. You can reach out to us at 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. You can also reach us at our website, grace-bible.com. And you can email us from that website as well as find out more about us, who we are, what we believe worship opportunities. In fact, our worship opportunities are really quite simple. Sundays at 1030, we meet here at the church in Hayward. We also have a Friday evening Bible study at 630 and then a Tuesday evening prayer and Bible study at 630 as well. For more information, again, grace-bible.com or call 510-886-9782. Reach out to us by mail if you want to write 22768 Main Street. That's 22768 Main Street, Hayward, California. The zip code is 94541. As always, it's a pleasure spending time with you here in God's Word, growing in His grace. Until next time, may Christ be your way of grace. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.